You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Good morning. Welcome to Thorn Creek Church. Hey, uh, so today is Cinco de Mayo. That's pretty awesome. We're having Taco Sunday. But in case you didn't know, yesterday was Star Wars Day, May the 4th, okay? That makes today the Revenge of the 5th. So turn to the person next to you and say, Revenge of the 5th. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then I don't know if we can still be friends. So learn some Star Wars stuff. It's pretty important uh, life stuff there. Uh, I'm excited to bring this message to you. We're talking about fire today. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. And, you know, earlier this week as we were talking through service and planning things, and, and Pastor Reuben mentioned, he's like, you know, just like he just now did, he said, you know, this is probably the most important part of Acts, right? The most important set of verses that, that, that happen in this series, right? And without all of this, not, none of the rest would happen, right? And then he said that, and he stopped and kind of looked at me as if to say, so don't mess it up, right? So I'm going to do my best to not mess it up. <laughs> no pressure, right? So let's pray, and we'll see if I can meet Pastor Ruben's expectations. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love and for your grace. Thank you for uh, what you're doing here at Thorn Creek Church, God. And I just ask that you would preside over this time, God. Would you set me aside? I just pray your words would come out of my mouth, God. Would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds and open our ears to whatever you have for each and every one of us today, God? I know that, that you are with us, that you are here, that you have filled this building with your Holy Spirit. Uh, even into the, the kids' ministry and the youth ministry, God. And I'm just so thankful uh, that you're working here. And I just ask, God, that you would use this time. Let us hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week we talked about Jesus gave this, these commands to his, his disciples before he ascended up into heaven, basically saying, hey, this church is going to start and, and you need to be ready for this. So I wanted us to kind of refresh our memories a little bit. And so that happened in Acts 1-4. says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the first thing Jesus says is to wait. He tells them, you need to wait for this gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said that the Father had promised this. And, and this comes from John uh, 16. Jesus had talked about this before. Let's look there. John 16, verse 7, it says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will, provide, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So Jesus says, Here's this gift that God is going to give you. I have to go away. And when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And then he gives this kind of this job description of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that it will prove the world wrong. It will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's the Holy Spirit's role. That's his job description, his thing to do. Now, notice Jesus didn't say like, you guys will do this, but he says the Holy Spirit will do this. And then he chooses to work in and through us to do that. The Holy Spirit's power will work in and through the disciples to do that. So let's jump back to 
Acts 1.8, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is telling them that they're going to start the church. Here it goes. It's going to happen, right? But he says, you need power. You need something that you don't have. Because had they tried to go out and start the church and profess Jesus' name without the power of the Holy Spirit, they would not have been successful. They couldn't have done it. On their own strength and in their own merit, they couldn't do it. He's telling them, you need the Holy Spirit. So he tells them, you must wait for me to give you this gift. And I thought about that this week. I thought about Peter and John and and James and all the disciples and what they must have been going through and how they must have felt, right? They've they've, they've seen all this stuff happen in just like over 40 days, right? They went from, from declaring that Jesus was the Messiah to him being arrested, to them running away, to him dying and then raised from the dead. And now he's hanging out with them and telling this. And then he goes back off to heaven, right? And he's gone. I mean, just this whirlwind that happens in, in just over 40 days. And Jesus is telling them that he has to go so that he can send the Holy Spirit. And I imagine that they were full of just this insecurity and low self-confidence, right? I mean, these are the same guys that ran away when Jesus was arrested, right? I mean, Peter denied Christ three times and was crushed so much by that that, that we read in John 21 that he was like, he was kind of at the end of it. He's like, well, let's just go fishing, guys. Like, I don't know what else to do. Right? Or Thomas, who doubted and said, like, I don't, I'm not going to believe that Jesus raised from the dead unless I literally touch his body. Right? These guys were, were normal. They were just like you and me. They had insecurities. They had fears. They had doubts. I mean, just like us. At the end of the day, if you look at yourself, you go look in the mirror, you know what you're insecure about. You know that you have those fears. Like, if anybody realizes that I shouldn't be here, I, I, there's no way I should be a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. Right? We all have this. We all work through it. Now, I've struggled with insecurity and low self-confidence a lot in my life. I was going to share, I want to share a story. So in high school, I was in marching band, but I was a drummer in marching band. So that makes me like the cool band geek, right? I was a band geek. Uh, but our whole drum line, we were, we were, we were really tight. And, uh, and that year, my senior year, uh, we really got into drum and bugle corps, drum corps international. And, and that's just essentially like taking marching to a whole new level. There's no woodwinds. It's just drums and brass. And you go all summer and you learn the show and you perform and you tour and you do all this fun stuff. And uh, my senior year uh, in Arizona, which is where I was uh, going to high school, uh, Arizona Sun Drum and Bugle Corps, they decided to start back up. And so they were having tryouts and auditions. And so uh, our whole drum line decided, hey, we're going to go try out. And the way they did these tryouts was was kind of interesting. It was kind of a two-day tryout uh, where overnight, you would actually go to the YMCA and sleep on the gym floor, right? And the whole idea was to give you a feel of here's what drum corps is going to be like, because all summer long, we're going to be traveling, you're going to be sleeping on gym floors, you're going to be around these people 24-7, and they wanted you to really understand it. So we all go, and the first day is really cool, and I recognize as I get there, like, everybody, all the drummers in Arizona are there, right? Like, the best of the best, these guys that I've, I've drummed with, that we've had competitions with, and And as the day progresses, uh, I'm trying out for this spot on the the bass drum line, 
and I'm getting kind of less and less playtime, right? They're, they're rotating. There's so many people that are rotating us through. And I'm recognizing by the end of the, the night, like I'm getting very little playtime on the, on the bass drum. And I'm recognizing like, I'm, I just don't have these chops. I, don't, I'm, I do not have the skills that these other guys have. And, and they're playing way more than I am in, in all of these tryouts and these auditions. And, and so finally, I'm just kind of like, we get to the end of the night and they're like, okay, everybody, we're going to the YMCA. We'll see you there. And I just... I was like, you know, I'm not going to make this. So I just got in my car and I went home. And I was like, you know, I don't need to sleep on a gym floor to know that I didn't make the drum line and I'll sleep in my bed and I'll feel really good, right? And so the next Monday comes around and I go into school and go into band class and all the other drummers, they're there and they're like, dude, where were you? I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you weren't at tryouts the second day. And I said, yeah, I know. I wasn't, I just wasn't cutting it, man. I wasn't going to, and they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. So the drum instructor was telling us all to not, not think we know what's going on and to persevere because there was a guy who was here the first day and he had a spot on the line and then he wasn't there the second day. And I'm like, oh, you know, and they're like, you're the only one who didn't show up. (laughs) Like that was you, right? And uh, just the, my insecurities got me, right? And thankfully, I got to talk to the baseline instructor, and we worked through all that, and he helped me, and I got that spot, and that was a lot of fun. But my insecurities got the best of me, right? I got in my own head. I thought about my own power and my own abilities, and, 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 I, and I looked at all of these things, and I just, I just kind of defeated myself. And I think about the, the disciples, and they, they were probably seeing much of the same. They're like, Jesus is gone, and he says he's sending this thing, but it's been like 10 days now, and we've been hanging around, and we've been praying, and what do we do, right? Maybe you can relate. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you hesitate. Maybe you second guess. Maybe you just, you just aren't sure because you, you, just, you just don't do things. You're just not quite sure if that's going to work out. Maybe, maybe you've done that in your spiritual walk, right? Have you, have you ever not done something that God has prompted you to do? Maybe it's just like talking to a stranger about your faith or maybe it's tithing or giving at a sacrificial level. You're just not quite sure if that makes sense, if, if you can do it on your own. But maybe it was serving or maybe, maybe you're asked to lead a small group and you're just like, I don't, I don't think I can, I don't know if I can do that. Or maybe God prompted you to call someone and ask for forgiveness. And you're like, I, I don't know if I'm strong enough to do that. Or maybe it was just choosing to forgive someone else so that you could restore a relationship. Right? The truth is, none of us have the power to do those things on our own. And that's why we have Acts 2. That's why God poured out his Holy Spirit. Because he knows that, yes, on your own, you can't do these kind of things. I want you to hear this. God gave you kingdom power to do kingdom work. God sent his Holy Spirit so you can have power to live as he called you to live, right? He gives us this power, and it's not so that you can look good for yourself or bring glory to yourself, but it's for his kingdom, right? Jesus told them, wait, and I will send my Holy Spirit so that you will be my witnesses, right? There's a purpose for all of this. There's a a plan that says, look, I'm going to give you this power so that you can tell other people about my love and my grace. And that's the whole point of this chapter in Acts. God is pouring out his power, his Holy Spirit to indwell us, to live inside of us, to give us power to live out the life that he has called us to do because God gave you kingdom power to do kingdom work. So let's jump into Acts 2. Verse 1, it says, On the day of Pentecost, Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. 
Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So the the Greek word that gets translated to Pentecost literally means 50th day. The the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks was was an Old Testament feast, a festival, something put out by the Old Testament. And it was was 50 days after the Passover. And it was this celebration time where where they were celebrating the harvest of the barley right before they plant the wheat, right? There's this huge time for everybody to come together and and praise and and give glory to God for, for the harvest and what he had done, right? But this is also now in history, 50 days after Jesus was the Passover lamb after he died and was resurrected, right? This 50 days later. And so that means we understand, we know that Jesus was was alive on earth after he was resurrected for 40 days. So between Acts 1-8, when Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, wait. And now uh, chapter two, verse one, there was 10 days. They're just waiting. And they had to be patient and they had to obey what Jesus said. And that was probably real difficult, difficult for them because they were waiting in a very dangerous place. Right? Not only did they have the insecurities and low self-confidence because of all the things that they had done, but they're now fugitives. Right? The same religious leaders that killed Jesus, that sent him to the cross, were still in power. And I'm pretty sure they didn't want anyone talking about how Jesus was alive. So the, the disciples are, are hiding out and they're waiting. They knew their lives were on the line. And then the Holy Spirit is unleashed on everyone, unleashed on the world. And it says that they were all together. Uh, Previously in Acts 1.15, it says that there were approximately 120 believers. So we know that uh, this is what, when it says all these believers were together, we're talking about about 120 people. It says that they were in a house, but many scholars believe that was like a place in the temple courts. It It was kind of public. It wasn't like they were private in this one little room and there was just 12 of them and this happened. No, it was very public place and the Holy Spirit is unleashed and there's this huge rushing wind and people start speaking in other languages, right? They're talking in languages that they don't know, right? It'd be like if all of a sudden people start, stood up here and started speaking in German and Russian and Japanese and Chinese, right? These are languages that people knew that the, the believers didn't know. This isn't like speaking in tongues as a prayer language or those other things that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. These were actual human languages that these people were speaking. And the power of the Holy Spirit is enabling them now to be those witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth because they can now speak. And everybody is hearing them. And the Holy Spirit can and still does this today. I've seen it. You've seen it. You're seeing it right now. Like, I wasn't born with a Bible in my hand ready to preach and teach. There was a part of my life where I walked away from God. I was living a life that was just destructive for me and those people around. Like, I honestly could not be up here doing this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm just not that gifted, guys. I really am not. The Holy Spirit empowers us to talk about God to share our faith, to do the work that God has called us to. Now, maybe you know this feeling that that, that I had, right? If you told me like 15 years ago, like, Jeremy, you're going to be up preaching in front of a bunch of people, I'd be like, there is no way that's happening. 
Like, I don't know anything about this. I couldn't. I would feel embarrassed. It just wouldn't work, right? Maybe you know what that's like. Maybe you feel like you can't be used by God. Maybe you believe this lie that, like, there's no way that God could use you. But that's a lie. Don't believe that lie. Here was a bunch of people sitting around who had their faith in Jesus Christ that didn't know how to speak all these other languages, and God empowered them to speak these other languages. God can do whatever he wants to. He can give you power to to have confidence to stand up. He can give you power to work through issues. He can give you power to to make it through the day, to persevere, even when it seems like it's, it's, it's ridiculous. God has a plan for your life. And that plan requires you to do exactly what the disciples did. To be patient and obey. Right? Jesus didn't just say like, here's the Holy Spirit and now have it go. He said, no, you need to wait. Now, I don't know why he needed them to wait. Maybe that was a learning time for them. Maybe maybe your waiting is a learning time for you. Whatever God wants to do, Just know that he has the power and the Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And you just have to wait. The Holy Spirit enables us to live out the plan that God has for our life. I like how Henry Nouwen says it. He says, without Pentecost, the Christ event, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, remains imprisoned in history as something to remember, think about, and reflect on. The Spirit of Jesus comes to dwell within us so that we can become living Christs here and now. The Christian walk is hard. Following Jesus is not easy. And if we just try to do it of our own strength, we're going to fail. And that's what makes Acts 2 so amazingly wonderful, is that Jesus goes, I know it's hard, and I know you can't do it, so here's some power to do it. He unleashes his Holy Spirit. Now let's continue on here. The people that were there, they saw this wasn't just some common day in Jerusalem, right? Acts 2, starting at verse 5, it says, At at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were what? They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. I feel bad for the people from Galilee, right? You hear this a lot in the Bible, like what could come from, you know, what good can come from Nazareth and Galileans? And like, I hope people don't say that about people in Thornton, right? Like verse eight, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthenians, uh, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. I mean, all these different people are here. And they're saying, we can all understand this in our own language, right? We hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. The disciples and the believers weren't just speaking in these other languages, just saying whatever came, like talking about their day or what they ate for breakfast. They're witnesses for God. They're doing kingdom work. They're sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, 
They're just drunk, that's all, which I find is interesting because in my time away from God, I spent plenty of time drunk and never did I just start speaking German. Like, it, just, it just didn't happen. Like, we weren't just all hanging around like, hey guys, you know, Chinese just pop out. It just didn't happen. So, did you notice though what the people, how they reacted? They were bewildered, they were completely amazed, they were perplexed. They recognized that this was obviously something supernatural. It was a divine power bringing the rushing wind and allowing the believers to speak in these other languages. And they could understand them. And that is so powerful, right? When someone speaks in our own language with us, it's so much better, right? Like we, can, we could listen to someone through an interpreter. We could watch a video that has subtitles. But when someone actually speaks in our own language, in our, in our own culture, and in our dialect, and all of that kind of stuff, there's something powerful there that we can truly understand. And that's what God was empowering the believers to do. They began to witness. And they were speaking about these wonderful things that God had done. They were, they were evangelizing. They were sharing their faith. They were, their faith. They were reaching others for God, not of their own power. Know this, the power of the Holy Spirit is a real manifestation from God poured out on us. It's not self-made. It is divine. It is supernatural. It's not like all the believers were sitting around and saying like, hey, how can we reach everybody? And like, hey, let's all go learn these different languages. Like, that didn't happen. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead, right? He is God. He is powerful. He gives us the ability to do things that we didn't think we could do. He enables us to live a life that we didn't think we could live. He enables us to, to move past anger that maybe we've had for, for 10, 20, 30, 40 years of our life and to just release it from us. He has power to, to release us from, from addiction that maybe we've had for, for many years of our life and, and that has a hold of us, but he says just, he just breaks those chains. It's not self-made. It's God-made. How many times do we think that like we just can't do something because we're, we're just not able to, right? Like, we, I don't know, I can't share my faith, I, I haven't gone to Bible school, I, you know, like, the Holy Spirit can empower you to do that. How many times or how often do you rely upon the Holy Spirit? You've got to. And you can because he was unleashed. This rushing wind unleashed on the entire world. What's interesting is, you know, if we look in the Old Testament, we see all these examples of when the Holy Spirit came down on a specific person, right? Came down on, on King Saul as he was becoming the king of Israel and, and he prophesied, he, he preached the good word of God. And, and we see it come down on, on David and David wrote these Psalms and, and talked about the Messiah. But, but what would happen is that Holy Spirit would kind of come back up. But now, now it's different. Now God says, the Holy Spirit is here for everyone. And I'm not taking him away, but he's going to give you power. The power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you if your faith is in Jesus. Okay, let me say that again. Maybe you didn't hear it. Like, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Like, I've seen a lot of powerful things, right? I like to watch documentaries, and I see all these, like, huge, big trucks and things that, you know, 
move rocks and make these huge tunnels, right? And that's like super powerful, but that has pales in comparison to what the Holy Spirit did. Like Jesus was dead. His body was cold. There was no blood moving. He wasn't breathing. And then he was alive. That power lives in you. And so to think like, I can't do this stuff or I can't, I can't, you know, you just have to recognize that Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, enabling you for kingdom work. Look at what happens to Peter. Remember timid, crushed Peter? Peter who denied Christ three times. He said, well, let's just, I don't know what else to do. Let's go fishing. In verse 14, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Amen. (laughs) No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. This is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the, that great and glorious day of the, Lord, of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They're living out. We are living out this prophecy, this promise of God that he will pour out his Holy Spirit on all of us. Now, that prophecy isn't fully completed because the day of the Lord has not come. The end isn't here yet. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit moving in each and every one of us. Peter continues on, verse 22. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Amen. Yeah. That power that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in us now. If you put your faith in Jesus, that's the power that God promises. And did you see Peter? This is a different Peter, right? This is bold Peter. This is not defeated Peter. This is encouraged Peter, not Peter who says, oh, let's just go fishing. I mean, he's so bold that he's talking to over 3,000 people. And not only does he tell them about Jesus, but he says, and you killed him. Like, that's pretty bold. I don't think... Peter ever thought that he would be doing anything like that. Look at verse 32. He said, God raised Jesus from the dead. We are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. That's what God did. That's what was happening on this day of Pentecost as the wind was rushing and the believers were speaking in other languages. God poured out his Holy Spirit so that his church could begin 
so the people of all languages could know that God has grace and love, that God's love was so strong that he, wouldn't, he wasn't satisfied with us going to hell and being apart from him, but that he had to send his only son to live the life that we couldn't, to pay the price that we couldn't. And all we have to do is follow him. All we have to do is live like those disciples, to be patient and obey to follow Jesus in everything. Verse 36, Peter does it again. He says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. That's who Jesus is. And Peter calls him out. He says, You were part of it. There's this beautiful thing that, that Peter proclaims the word of God. And people are, are cut to their heart. That's what the word says. They're just, they're just ripped apart. And it's not because Peter's a great speaker. It's not because Peter followed Jesus flawlessly. He denied Jesus three times, you remember? He's like, no, 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 I don't know him. No, I think you got me confused. Like, no, I don't know him. That same guy comes up and tells over 3,000 people, Jesus is Lord and Savior. It's not because Peter read a really good self-help book. It's because the Holy Spirit indwelled him, was with him. And that's how God chooses to work. And I'm so thankful for that. God doesn't have to use us in his kingdom building, but he chooses to. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. I like how Henry Blackaby said it. He said, will God ever ask you to do something you're not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. If we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory. He wants to reveal himself to a watching world. This is, there's this new power that allows believers to accomplish the will of God, to bring his kingdom to earth. God's going to ask you to do things that you're not able to do. Don't be surprised by it. If God only asks us to do things that we could do on our own, then what do we need God for? If we could just go start the church and let everybody know and that, that we could do salvation on our own, then, then, then what's the point? It's all in vain. God has a plan for each and every one of you. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to just like everybody, all of us just jump into full-time ministry or maybe you have to just leave everything and go to another country and be a missionary. You don't, that's not what I'm talking about. Unless God calls you specifically to that. If he calls you, then you have to go, right? Be obedient to what God calls you to. But what God's calling us to do is to be the light and the salt in the world right where we are. to share with others what God has done in our lives. You know, we're pretty far geographically and chronologically in time away from where Jesus died and was resurrected. We are at the ends of the earth and he's called us to be the witnesses there. And I know for some of you that may sound scary. Like, I don't, I don't know about telling people. I don't, wanna, I don't want people to think like I'm just, I'm this guy. 
right? I don't want to be that Bible thumper guy, right? We don't have to be that. We just have to share what God has done in our life. And maybe you don't know what words you would use. But that's the beauty. The Holy Spirit is there with you to give you those words in that moment. All God's asking us to do is, is live out our life. And when someone gives us that opportunity, they say, you know, you're, you're really happy today. Like, like, how is it possible? Like, didn't you realize, like, the company's downsizing and we're, we're doing all this stuff and, and you don't seem to be stressed at all. And the Holy Spirit just gives you words. You're like, you know what? My faith isn't in this company. My faith is in someone way bigger. And so I'm not worried. He's always taking care of me. Might not be easy. Might be a little bit difficult. Might have to sacrifice some things. But I know who God is. That's all we have to do. That's how we witness to the ends of the earth. I don't know about you, but God is doing something huge all across the world, all across our nation, even just here in our community. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be part of something bigger. I don't want to just do the things that just Jeremy can do. I want to do the things that God can do in and through Jeremy. Not because that makes me really cool, because I want to see how God can move in mighty ways. And it all starts with our relationship with Jesus. It all starts right there. That's why Peter started with Jesus. You have to have a relationship with him. And not just that kind of relationship where it's like, yeah, I know that guy. I know, who, I know of him and yeah, he did some cool things. He died on the cross. Like a deep, intimate, personal relationship with Christ. One where you're just surrendered, where, where you're like those disciples that you say like, even though I'm insecure, even though I'm not quite sure of what I can do or how this is going to look, even though this feels even a little bit dangerous, God, I'm going to wait because you told me to wait and I'm going to obey because you told me to obey. It starts at that place and then God will fill you with his Holy Spirit and you will have Holy Spirit power. And then our prayer every day is just very simply, God, what do you want to do today? It's not grandiose. It's not something huge that's outside of any one of us. It's just merely submitting to God's will every day. God, what do you want to do today? Putting yourself in a place where God can use you. And yes, it's going to feel uncomfortable. But that's good. Because in those uncomfortable places is where God works the most. And I don't know about you, but I would love to see people who don't know Jesus come to know Jesus. I would love for people who, who struggle in depression and hurt and broken relationships be restored and renewed and transformed by the word of God. I want to be part of that. And my prayer is that, that you're a part of that as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, first and foremost, for going to the cross, for washing us clean by your blood. Thank you for defeating death and sin that we may have life in you. An abundant life. Ah. 
maybe you're here today and, and you've never, maybe you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. It all starts with that. Just if that's your hope and your prayer and that's what you want to do with your life, just say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've lived apart from you. I'm sorry for all of my sin. And I turn away from it. And I want to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you empower me to live for you? Would you make me uncomfortable for your kingdom? Oh God, we love you. We love you so much. I thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit. I thank you for choosing to use us to build your kingdom here on earth. Thank you for unleashing your Holy Spirit and unleashing us. God, we worship you with everything that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.